sharing with you from Scripture the urgency of the time in which we're living, the need that is before us and the limited time that we have. We talked about how the church needs to walk circumspectly, wisely in that path. And I shared with you that Josh and I for the last several months have been working on a new vision and mission statement and strategy for our church that we believe is biblical. We believe that it is a mission and vision statement that um, comes right from God's Word, so it matters not whether or not he or I are standing behind this desk or you are sitting in those pews. This mission and vision is something that every church needs to carry, and we, this church, need to make it a part of our life. And so today what we want to do is unfold that before you and share it with you. That's why that sheet of paper, that mission and vision paper is so important. It's going to walk through some of the steps in which Josh is going to take. I've asked Josh to do the presentation this morning, and he's going to walk you through that presentation scripturally and visually. Um, So as long as our clicker works, uh, you pray for technology because sometimes that clicker becomes, you know, very tenuous at best. All right, so Josh is going to come and share. Uh, Get ready to open your Bibles, get ready to open your hearts and uh, receive what the Lord wants from us. Well, church, if you're human and you're in Christ, you've probably experienced a day in your life where you've felt opposition from the enemy like no other. And that's usually a pretty good indication that you're doing the right thing, and I've mentioned that multiple times, Pastor Steve's mentioned that multiple times, and for some reason, one of the, today feels like one of those days. I've got to be honest with you, I've felt extremely nervous and almost to the point where I've wanted to back out. Isn't that crazy? That's how bad the enemy works on you. He works in your mind, and he works with lies and all that stuff. So I just want to share that with you so you know where I'm at in case I mumble or trail off. I'm just kidding. I won't. I wrote it down, so hopefully I'll stay on topic. But yes, as Steve said, this is, this is the mission and vision we believe to be biblical. It's the way that we think every church should go, and it's definitely the way we think this church should go because it's biblical. And that's the most important thing. And we've been working on this for a while. Like Steve said, it's been about a year now. And I want to tell you what this is not, though. This is, this is not a 2020 theme that's going to change in 2021. This is, or rather will be, the long-standing mission and vision moving forward for Midway Baptist Church. Again, I just have to reiterate, we believe it's very biblical, and that's the most important factor. If it's not biblical, it's not worth doing. We believe it highlights three major biblical concepts that God specifically calls us to, not just as a church body, but as every single individual Christian. And last, we should believe, or we believe that it should be the focus of every single Christian. Again, not just because we say so, but because thus saith the Lord. And so beginning, before getting into the specific nuts and bolts of the mission and vision, I just want to quickly explain the difference between mission and vision. And... Uh, Yeah, it's not working. (laughs) Can you move it? All right. So mission, and this is important for us to look at, a mission is an important assignment carried out to its logical conclusion that can only be successfully accomplished accomplished when working together. And see, that last part is very important because it can only be successfully accomplished when everyone is working together. 
Everyone has to be working together. If everybody's going in different directions, it's like tug of war, and we're wasting time, we're wasting resources. And as Steve preached last week and reminded us today, our time is short, folks. And so you can see it up there. Um, that's mission. The vision is basically what is or what roads will we travel? What things will we do? What goals can we set to achieve the mission? That's vision. And we firmly believe that this, both of them are important, are important and vital to the successful of or, any organization, especially the church that is hopefully going to impact the world for Jesus. So with that said, what is the mission and vision? Um, mission and vision for Midway Baptist Church is, it is to glorify God by building the church of tomorrow today through fervent prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and family ministry. That's our mission and vision. That's what we hope to accomplish as a church. We hope to build the church of tomorrow today through fervent prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and family ministry. And so how are we going to spend our time? Well, the first part, what we're going to do is uh, spend it focused on the following concepts. So in order to do this, Midway Baptist is prayerfully focused on three main components. And I've already said them but I feel like repeating them because re repetition tends to get in our minds. Family ministry, scripture, or excuse me, evangelism and discipleship. And so how we're going to spend our time, the first part is we're going to stay on topic, on point. We're going to try to explain the biblical view of family ministry from scripture. We're going to explain the biblical view of evangelism from scripture. And we're going to explain the biblical view of discipleship from scripture. And then the fourth thing we're going to do is to explain how each of them work in tandem together. And that will do a few things for us. One, it's going to give us a clear understanding of what God says about these three concepts. Again, the most important thing is what God says. And subsequently, that's going to help us understand why they're so vitally important. It'll help us focus our energy, our time, and our resources in a uniform and unified direction as a body of Christ and as individuals. It's going to help us build a framework so we can ensure everything that we do fits into the mission and vision. And so the second half, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how we're going to do family ministry, how we're going to do evangelism, and how we're going to do discipleship. And that's going to better help us understand the how of each so that each one of us will be equipped to engage in all three to the glory of God. And I'll say it again, church, if we're not doing everything we do to the glory of God and pointing people to Jesus, we are wasting our time. That is the most important thing in this life is Jesus Christ. And that's our sole purpose, at least I hope it is, is to glorify God. And if everything we do is not pointing to Jesus, we've got to sit down and go back to the drawing board. Or as Steve said, back up and punt because we're not doing it right. And as you saw the logo already, we have family ministry at the top, evangelism, discipleship. That's the framework we're going to use to see how everything kind of fits into those three categories. And so the first part is we're going to talk about what Scripture says. What does Scripture say about family ministry? Well, as you know, there's an innumerable, a huge list of verses that speak specifically to family ministry. I'm just going to highlight two of them from the book of Deuteronomy because those are most important, I think, and you'll see why. But Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says, Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen 
and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and grandsons. You hear that, grandparents? Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth. And here it is again. And that they may teach their children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So what I want to do is um, kind of explain these verses and answer the following. One, what is the purpose of families according to Scripture? Two, explain how these verses point to family ministry. Three, what does it mean for parents or guardians? And why is it so important? Because if we don't understand why it's important, none of the rest of it's going to matter. So first off, what is the purpose of families according to Scripture? Well, first, God created the family to give structure and order to human beings that he created in his image. That was the purpose of family, to give structure and order to human beings he created in his image. The second one, the family provides the essential labor of teaching and preparation of children for churches, for communities, for cultures, and for nations. And I'm going to say that one again. The family provides the essential labor of teaching and preparation of children for churches, communities, cultures, and nations. Church, we are bringing up the next generation that is going to fill all of these areas. Third, God created the family in order to pass the gospel from one generation to the next. And fourth, God designed the family to be a living demonstration of various aspects of the glory of the gospel and the embodiment of biblical truths. Essentially, the family trains and exemplifies the gospel and how they do things and sends their children or their out into the world so that they can do the same thing. Family was created as the fountainhead of culture. Church, God did not intend the culture to dictate and drive the family. The family is supposed to dictate and drive the culture. Amen. And something else to consider is that when God does something wonderful in the world, he often uses a family. The family of Adam and Eve with the purpose of protecting the garden and cultivating it. The family of Noah, the purpose which was to preserve his righteous seed from destruction of judgment on a wicked world. The family of Abraham, the whole purpose was to bless the world with, with righteousness by faith alone. And then the family that Christ ushered, and the purpose was God bringing salvation to mankind, making possible the family of God. I just want to read a quick quote to you from Arthur W. Pink. He's uh, been, not been around for a while, but he says, Of what avail will it be when we render an account to God for our stewardship of our families to say that we had not the time available working hard from morn until eve? Basically, when we stand before God, there will be no excuse that we could give. And that's a very serious thing. So, how do these verses translate to family ministry? Well, family, first of all, is defined in Scripture not just regulated to what we would consider immediate members or relatives, but just to maintain simplicity, we're going to stick with that definition. And as most of us are probably aware, the word minister is defined as attending to someone's needs. So family ministry, we are essentially saying it's the purpose of attending to someone's needs 
and the immediate members or relatives in our family. And even though this command falls on the headship of the home, that is, us men, most definitely, this definition is helpful because it's not just limited there to parents. It's, it's, it calls on grandparents, it calls on guardians, spiritual parents, anybody that has an influence primarily over a child. And so what does this mean for parents and guardians? Well, we read those verses, and both of those verses and many others have an expectation of parents, grandparents, again, whoever the primary influencer is over the child, to teach a child about God and all that he has done with the purpose of fearing him. And if you look at the original language, we all know that it's not a scared fear. It's a reverent fear, a respectful fear, knowing that he's God and we're not. And then we're also supposed to teach them all the words commanded by Moses. Most importantly, we're to teach them diligently, constantly, as you rise, as you go about your day, as you sit doing nothing, as you go to bed, you're supposed to teach them. So that the next generation will continue to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Isn't that what Jesus said? This gospel will be proclaimed throughout all the earth and all nations, and then the end will come. And why is it so important? Well, the main reason it's so important is because the church becomes healthier when biblical family life flourishes. And this is the next generation, church. This is the next church. If you want Midway Baptist Church to be here for however many years, if you want the American church to be here for the next 50, 100, however many years, we have to raise a generation that fears the Lord. It's, it's unmistakable. has to be done. Because if we abdicate our responsibility, that is, if we forsake our responsibility, what happens is we lead the world into a Judges 2.10 generation. And we're all familiar with that, didn't we? Imagine if when we go to be with God, they put this on our tombstones. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. I don't want to go to my grave knowing that's the legacy I left. So with all that said, the whole objective and goal of family ministry, the objective is to train, equip, and encourage parents and guardians to be the intentional primary influence over their child or children's spiritual growth. It's non-negotiable, folks. The goal is to see the church of tomorrow raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's, that's the goal. We want our children to be raised up to love and serve God. And so what I want to do next now is talk about evangelism and what Scripture says about that. And what we're going to do is answer the same three questions. What does Scripture say about evangelism? What's the purpose? And why is it so important? Well, to explain what Scripture says about evangelism and discipleship, we're going to use the same verse. And everybody can probably quote this verse by heart. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up to them and spoke, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and in the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey or observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so quickly, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the word go. Because when you observe this in the original Greek, it literally means as you travel. So if you think about that in the context of Deuteronomy 6 and 7, or 6, 7, which says you're supposed to teach your children constantly when you rise up, lay down, and when you go, this is no different. Jesus commands us that as we travel anywhere, we're commanded by Christ to make 
disciples. And a disciple is someone who follows someone or some teaching. Now, as Christians, we follow both Jesus and his teaching. In order to make a follower of Jesus, you have to share what? Answer, church, what is it? What are you going to share with them? The gospel. Paul said what? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. can't make a disciple if you're not sharing the gospel, and that's evangelism. In fact, if you Google the definition of evangelism, here's what you'll get, which I'm surprised for Google. The spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Hmm. In short, church, it's sharing the word of God, which we know to be Jesus, John 1.1, right? With the world, wherever you go, as you go. And the easiest explanation as to what the purpose is, is to see Revelation 7.9 fulfilled. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count. And here it is, church, from every nation and all tribes and all peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. This is what Jesus says. We're to be a disciple who makes disciples of every nation. Church, not just those that look like us. Not just those that are kind to us. Not just those that are easy to talk to. Not just those that are whatever, fill in the blank. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, and language, we're called to make disciples. And why is it so important? Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And they gave John the Baptist, you're a prophet, some say Elijah. He had to reiterate, so they got it. No, no, no. Who do you, 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 you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Barjona he responds, or Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds, and listen to the catch this, church. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Jesus is saying on the proclamation, the verbal profession of that Christ is the Lord, the son of the living God, will he build his church. That's the gospel. And this is the reason why it's so important. Church, we believe hell is a very real place. If you don't, you ought to read all the words in red because Jesus talked a lot about hell. We believe it's a very real place and that there will be gnashing of teeth there where the fire is not quenched and the worm does not die. Church, I heard a pastor talk about hell one time and it brought me almost to tears. And here's what he said, quote, Hell is not separation from God. Those in hell will be separated from him relationally. It's much worse than that. In fact, the worst thing about hell for the unbeliever is God's presence. The unbeliever in hell will curse God and sin more than they ever did on this earth. And because God is just and holy, he has to punish sin. And what will happen in hell is that his wrath of punishing sin will continue as long as the sin continues. Church, the very worst thing about hell is God's presence. Just like the very best thing about heaven is his presence of love. But in hell, it's his just presence of wrath. So evangelism is so important because it's one beggar telling another where you can find the bread of life. It's pleading with the unbeliever not to walk off the cliff of disobedience and die in their sin. 
We must see how short a time we have, church. It's running out. And that's why evangelism is important. And the objective, Lord, our church, is to train, equip, and encourage the body of Christ to execute the will of God by sharing the gospel with unbelievers. It's the power of God and of salvation. Nothing else, no other way, no other person, no other name, Jesus Christ. And the goal is to see disciples made of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Simple as that. And so third, discipleship. Same three questions. What does Scripture say about discipleship? What's the purpose and why is it so important? We have to get this, church. We're going to use the same verse, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, as our focus for discipleship. And the word I want us to focus on for discipleship is make. In fact, both make and disciples in this verse is considered one word. And it means to simultaneously enroll yourself as a scholar and as a disciple at the same time. Think about that for a minute. You should be following and obeying Jesus close enough to teach another to do that. This is what the twelve did for three years. They followed Jesus, they obeyed Jesus, and they told about Jesus. You have to be able to make a disciple. And the only way you can make a disciple is if you're following Jesus and learning from Jesus and learning. And then taking that, what you learn, and taking it out into the world and sharing the gospel. Seeing people saved and then saying, hey, let me walk alongside you and train you and help you understand. What's the purpose? Well, the purpose is to bring God glory and to grow in sanctification or grow in godliness. And why is it so important? Be, make, train, church. Be a disciple, make a disciple, train a disciple. That's it. You got to be one in order to make one because if you're not learning, you can't teach others. And discipleship is the most fundamental task we're called to as believers. It starts in the home, it continues in the church, and then it manifests itself in society. Jesus spent three years training and teaching his disciples, which show us just how important it is. You cannot grow in godliness if you're not being discipled. That's not me. You can say, Pastor, I don't like you for saying that, and that's okay. That's scripture. You can't help somebody else grow in godliness if you're not growing either. And I know it's things, but it's the truth. And so the objective for that, for discipleship, <clears throat> is to train, equip, and encourage the body of Christ, that's all of us, to then train, equip, and encourage the body of Christ, that's disciples making disciples, in faithful obedience to God in growth and sanctification. And what's the goal? Church, very simple. We want to see the body of Christ look more like their savior, a Savior every day until He returns. And so last, and then we'll get to part two of how we're going to do this. How do these fit together? One of the first things God created and instituted after He created the world, if you read in Genesis, was family. He created the family after the world. And the whole purpose was to bring the adoration and worship of God to the next generation. And the most fundamental form of evangelism and discipleship happens in the home. Think about it. Who's closest to you that you have to evangelize first? Your children. And, and it sounds silly to say you're evangelizing your child, but you are. They're the potential brother or sister in Christ. You share the gospel with them, and then, the, and then God says, okay, they've got it, he's saved them, he's changed their heart. 
then you have to disciple them. You have to raise them to help them understand. Same reason we send them to public school. So they grow and learn, right? We train them in all the wrong things. We have to start in the home. And a parent or guardian's most basic responsibility from Scripture is to see their children raised in the fear of the Lord. This is our first point of contact with evangelism and discipleship. The whole purpose for this is to see the next generation take the family ministry, evangelism, and discipleship to the generation after them and to the generation after them until God comes back. Because, church, we're getting close to a Judges 2.10 generation, which says a lot. Genesis 18.19, God speaks about Abraham. He says, For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And this is not to say they can't work apart from each other, okay? But rather it's supported by Scripture that they should work in conjunction with each other. Because when they do, families change, churches change, and then society and the world changes. And isn't that what we want, folks? All of this, I hope, our sole desire is to see God glorified, Christ magnified, and the Holy Spirit sanctified. That has to be it. Part two, this is the how, and this is going to go a little quicker. I appreciate your patience. Remember that a mission is an important assignment carried out to its logical conclusion that can only be successfully accomplished when everyone is working together. So let's quickly look at how we're going to do family ministry, discipleship, and evangelism. Family ministry must take place in the home. You go, Pastor, you say that like every two sentences. There's a reason for that. The church cannot rear a child in the fear and instruction of the Lord one or two hours a week nor are the church called to do that. We can't. I've tried with my own kids. I used to be there. Kids, just go to church, learn about Jesus. I, it can't be done. But when you bring them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord, the church is a supplement. It's like a vitamin shot. When they go out into the world, they come back, they get their shot at church because they've been learning at home, and they go out and they share boldly. As we've already observed, God calls each of us, parents, grandparents, guardians, spiritual parents, to this most important responsibility. In church, it has the most utmost severe eternal impact. It really does. But if you don't know what to do, how exactly can you do it, right? Hopefully that's the question we're asking. Pastor, we don't really know what to do or what does that look like. So going forward, family ministry, we're going to be providing biblical training and resources. We're going to focus on family missions and events. We're going to also identify measurable outcomes. And you say, well, what do you mean measurable outcomes? Well, if you're going to expend energy, time, and resources, you want to make sure, if you're obsessive, compulsive, and type A like me, that you're doing the right thing. Because if you're not, you're going in a different direction, and you're not making an impact. You want to know that. So we're going to identify measurable outcomes. An example of this might be helping us how to learn how to fulfill Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, which talks about teaching our kids diligently. I call these faith talks. Have you ever just sat down and had a talk with your child about their day and then just intentionally look for opportunities to go, Jesus, God, don't do that because God said. That's a faith talk. Just intentionally find ways to insert God every chance you get. It has to be done. You've got to do it so much that they get tired of hearing it. <laughs> because you're raising the next generation, church. 
That's a very serious thing. And they need a guiding light. And I know we all can agree on this, but the guiding light that the older generation and most of my generation have lived by is rapidly dimming. And our children are walking around in darkness. Another example might be a biblical course or workshop on family worship. What does it look like in the home? How can I do it? What's some resources I can use? Um, We will focus studies on biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, because that's important too. If you're a man, you got to know what God calls you to do, right? If you're a woman, you got to know what God calls you to do. And then discipleship, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to take a very focused and driven role moving forward. Again, we all understand that if we're moving all in separate directions, we're using resources, time, and energy, and we're not getting anything done. It has to be unified. So as Steve already mentioned, moving forward, our Sunday evening classes are going to focus on this concept or these concepts. Some of them might include men, men's studies. Some might include women's studies. Um, some might include inductive Bible study. We've done that one before. It's so important because if you don't know how to learn or you've got to learn to read, study, and apply Scripture as a disciple so you can fulfill Jesus' command. If you don't know how to do those things, you won't be able to do those things. Might do a specific study on growing in godliness. I mean, these are not specific study titles. They're rather the categories that we're going to focus on because it fits in our framework. And again, the end goal is to see God's people grow closer to him in wisdom and knowledge. Right? That's what Paul says. That your love may abound with more wisdom and knowledge all the days of your life till Christ comes back. We have to make disciples who can then disciple others. And evangelism, like family ministry and discipleship, will also take a very focused role in moving forward. And our aim is to provide tools and resources. It's very important. If you don't know how to share, if you don't know how to evangelize or make those conversations intentional about God, it's tough to do, I know. Second, conduct biblical studies focused on evangelism. And my favorite, formulate a group or groups to go out and actually share the gospel with people in our county. I know what you're thinking, church. Don't worry, I've already talked to the city. We don't need any special licensing, certificates, or anything. They said, as long as you don't make a crowd big enough to block the sidewalk or the road, you're fine. So that's okay. We have to. And church, there will come a time that every single one of us will give an account of everything we did. We will stand in the presence of a holy God, and he will open the books. And he will show us everything that we've done, whether it's in the light or in the dark. And he will show us everything. He will compel us. That means he won't ask us to give an account. He will just compel us to give an account of every idle word and every idle deed we've done. And the only thing that will not be burned up is everything that was done for Christ. Church, this has got to to take hold. This has got to be the fire that we feel burning inside of us. And as Christians... Every single one of us should seek to build the church of tomorrow today through fervent prayer, evangelism, discipleship, and family ministry. Because church, when we don't, we will see a Judges 2.10 generation in the our time. And I'll read it again. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose a generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet which the work he had done for Israel. And just a few verses later, it says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Church, now is the time for Christians to be bold. Now is the time for Christians to obey the commands of Christ. And church, now is the time for Christians to take a stand. 
Now's the time for Christians to raise up and serve the Lord. Raise your children in the Lord. Now's the time for Christians to make disciples of every single nation. Because if we don't, what are we doing? Now is the time, church. And if you feel the Lord knocking on your heart, and gosh, I hope you do like I do. You need to stand up and we need to come to this altar and we need to repent of our apathy. We need to repent of our lethargy. We need to repent of our indifference and saying, oh, somebody else will do it. I don't have to. Everybody's called to it. We need to seek God's face and say, Lord, please, God, forgive me for my apathy. Forgive me for my lethargy and my indifference. Forgive me for not obeying you. Forgive me for not sharing your life-giving word and watching people walk off the cliff to hell. Forgive me, Lord, for not doing the things you so clearly and emphatically call me to. Forgive me for just sitting and not going. Forgive me, Lord, for not sharing. Forgive me for just being quiet. Forgive me for not standing up. And then seek his face and say, Holy Spirit, please pour out upon me so that I can live boldly for you because in the end, nothing else will matter. Nothing. I promise you that. And that is not me. That again is scripture, folks. And I wouldn't say it if it wasn't. Nothing will matter. As we think about what is our calling, Josh and I worked a long time trying to figure out how that we ought to display this biblically. The reason that we put family ministry at the top is because that's the very first thing that God speaks about. The very first command that we all have is to evangelize and reach our families first. We want our families, and unfortunately in this world today, what we're seeing statistically is even in the church, that when our children go off to college, a large percentage of them never, listen to me, never return to the church because we have not done our job. We have not done the work of family evangelism, family discipleship, family ministry. It's time that we take our children back. It's time that we take our community back. It's time that we take our church back. We have worked diligently to say that we need to, as this church, we need to evangelize our families so that we know that our families have heard the gospel, they have responded to the gospel, and we're teaching them how to share the gospel. And that as a church, we need to remember that evangelism is something that every believer is called to do, not just the pastors, not just the evangelism committee, but every person is called to evangelize. We are called to go out and to tell others of what Jesus has done for us. And then what we're to do is to take that person and we're to bring them back to the church and we're to say, let me walk beside you as you grow in Christ so that when you are ready, you can then go out and tell others about what Jesus has done for you. That is the calling of every church. That is the instruction that God has left to us, the church of today. And it is the direction in which we believe this church needs to move in. It is a direction that we need to do and we need to do now. I shared with you last week how short time is. God has just reminded me again this week how short the time is and how urgent the message of the gospel is. So church, I'm going to ask you to do something today. 
I'm going to ask you to rise. No, don't move now. If you believe that this is the calling of God, if you believe this is the direction that God would call you as a Christian to come alongside us as the leadership of this church to move forward in this direction, I'm going to ask you to rise up out of your seats and come forward and stand with us and pray. Pray that God will make that decision that you are making a powerful entity in your life.